Well, I am uh, really excited to be back with you this week. I was gone last week to Oklahoma. It feels like it was like last decade that I preached uh, to you guys. That's good. That's good. All right. Dad joke. Dad boo. Did I get booed? Wow. All right. All right. Dad joke was for my daughter who wasn't, isn't even in here. Uh, that was about the same response I get from my kids uh, with, my, with my dad jokes, but uh, I really am glad to be back. I'm thankful that Tim uh, Bush preached last week. I appreciate him filling in, and yeah. So I preach in a couple different ways. Sometimes we'll go through a book um, in the Bible, we'll just kind of go through it chapter by chapter, and sometimes we go more topical, we'll talk about a certain thing, um, and I get excited just to be able to teach and as we do these series, um, but I have been looking forward to this one for a while. Um, we're we're going to talk about what it means to have a meaningful life, and I think one reason I'm excited about it is because a meaningful life is way better than a meaningless life, Right? And so I don't, I don't know many people, or I haven't run into a lot of people who would say, you know, it sounds great, but I'm not really looking to have a meaningful life. Yeah. And there is a desire for every person to have meaning and purpose to their life. Now, I think whether you're a Christian or you're not, uh, if you're sure what you believe about God or you're not, um, if you're young, if you're old, I think there is um, no certain thing that would keep us from wanting to have meaning to what we're doing. Uh, when you put in Google, uh, what is the meaning of life? Um, when, when you Google it, I don't know if you use Google much, but it tells you how many hits there are when you Google something. And it'll tell you how fast it happens. And so the next screen, will, it'll, it'll show you. Yeah, so 2.8 billion hits in less than a second. Now, you may not have much to compare that to. I kind of just threw in some things, you know, uh, what's the best Major League Baseball team? I knew Cardinals would come up and how many, how many hits, but it was in the millions, hundreds of millions. Uh, Googled, what's the best burger in the United States? I was like, that's got to have at least as many hits as, what does it mean? Not even a billion. Uh, I think there is just something in each person that says, man, what do I exist for? What, what is the meaning of life. Sometimes that comes through difficult moments. Sometimes that comes as you try and figure out what's next. Maybe you're younger and you're trying to figure out what's next. Uh, Maybe you're older and you've spent your life thinking you were doing things that were meaningful and you begin to get to a point where you're like, gosh, I don't don't know what I'm doing anymore. Uh, And so over the next couple of weeks, we're just going to look at this idea. Can can we have meaning? Can our lives matter? Can, Can we have purpose to what we are doing? Uh, This week is somewhat of a primer. Uh, I think this week is going to be important as it sets us up for what we're going to do. So this is going to be a little bit of a longer series. Uh, We'll we'll do this week and then we'll do five weeks as we begin to look at what it uh, means to find meaning and how that can happen. Now, what what this isn't is just not simply about resolutions. I, I think that is okay. I think that's positive. You have some resolutions Hopefully you get past February. Most people don't. Uh, there's these ideas of what you want to do and how you want to be better, but, but oftentimes they just don't stick. Uh, so this is more than that. This isn't just simply about what you want to happen this year, uh, but, but what does it look like to, to make some changes or understand things differently where it affects the rest of your life? And, and not just your own life, because I really believe if you can 
begin to see the meaning you have in your life. That, that you have been created for a purpose. It, it not only impacts you, but it begins to impact those around you. It impacts your family. It will impact us as a church community. It will impact the community as a whole. I mean, what could, what could happen? What could happen if we could wrap our minds around the idea that our lives matter? That, that we could live a meaningful life? Uh, what, what would happen if we started living on purpose? That it wasn't just that we woke up every day, we went through our day like normal, we went to bed that night, and the next day we just did it all over again. And then at the end of our lives, we, we look back and think, what, what happened? Uh, what, what could be different? Uh, people pursue a lot of different things to find meaning and purpose. You know this because you do it. I've done it in my own life, uh, whether it's business success or success in whatever field that you're in, the, the next step, the promotion, uh, the degree, how do I get to that next level? We can find our meaning and satisfaction and purpose in those things, uh, wealth, good relationships, uh, intimacy, entertainment, all of those things, not bad in themselves, often become what we find our meaning in, and we pursue those things often. And the truth is, and you know this from your own life, is a lot of times we have that next thing that we want. We've even said to ourselves, if I could just reach that point, that then I'll find my, my purpose. And then you acquire it, or you achieve it, or you get it, and then it still feels empty. It still feels like there is this void. And, and again, those things aren't bad in themselves, but it's just if we find our ultimate purpose and meaning and satisfaction in those things, we will be let down. We'll be let down. So I, I have experienced this in my own life just like you have. Uh, I, I've gone through stages where I've, I've found my meaning in certain things or situations or circumstances or achievements. And, and I've always thought if I could just get that, it would, be, it would be better. And for the majority of my life, it was sports. And I've shared this with you. Like sports, it was everything to me. Uh, started playing at three and didn't finish college football till, till 22. And so for 19 years, that's all that mattered. Uh, I was at my mom's house this weekend, and she had told me that there was a box of VHS tapes. For my young people, it's shaped about like this, and <laughs> you stick it in a, a VCR. And, and, and so I got the, she still has a VCR, and so I got the VCR down, and I, I got the tapes out and started looking at them, and my, my kids were just enamored with the VCR. My, my son was like, can I put the VHS into the VCR? And I'm like, sure, that's, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And so they began looking through them, and some of them were my, my high school football tapes. And so we, we stuck them in, and it was pep rallies, and they got to hear me talk when I still had an Oklahoma accent and uh, a little more hair. And, and so they just thought it was the coolest, and then it, it showed uh, highlights from when I, I played football. And I, I sat there, and it was like a flashback. It was a flashback as I watched myself thinking, man, that was, that was everything to me. Like, I'm not over-exaggerating. Like, that was everything. I, I can remember we'd play on Friday, and on Saturdays, I'd, I'd go down the driveway, and I'd pick up the newspaper because I wanted to see what the local paper had to say about our game and how I played. And if I played well, then I felt like I had purpose and meaning, and when I didn't, it was gone. And then the same thing happened as I go into college, and I start playing a little bit of, of football in college, and then my senior year, just before uh, our, our first game, I hurt my knee. And in a moment, everything that I had found my meaning in was gone. Like it was just like 
snatched away. One moment I was preparing for my last season of football, and literally seconds later, it was, it was gone. And that's how we live life often. It's just we find our identity in something, and it doesn't have to be bad. It could be your occupation. It could be relationships, and you, you just find your meaning. And then when it's taken away or something happens or you go through a difficult time, and then you feel this, this void. And so then on Friday, so we, we spent uh, uh, an afternoon watching these, and these tapes, and then on Friday morning, I went to a little coffee shop by my mom's house, and from the table in the coffee shop, I could look out the window across the street at the church building where I started going as a 14-year-old. And I sat there preparing for this message, thinking about how even through middle school, as I went to church every once in a while, and even as I went into college, and went to a Christian university, there, there was this battle, right? There was this voice of, of, of the God who loved me and created me. I could hear this voice of telling me my purpose was in that, but yet it took me so long to believe it, right? It took me so long, and so I sat there at this table looking at this building thinking that my life really changed at that moment. Like, I didn't know it. I didn't really even live into it or accept it, but, but, but just these moments, just these waves of how God had been good to me over the years, and even when I kind of pushed him away and thought, yeah, God, you're good, but so is that. That, that still he pursued me and began to do something in my life. And so I'm still figuring it out. I'd love to say that every moment is a moment where I say, okay, my purpose is only in that. But, but, but I get off track every once in a while. And so what, what does it look like? What, what does it look like for, for you and for me to really say, okay, this is what brings meaning to my life. This is what I've been created for. Because if you are pursuing those other things only, and you find your meaning in that, it is fleeting. It is fleeting. There's a, there's a, a person in the Old Testament, so the, the first part of the Bible, his name was King Solomon, who, who was known as the wisest person during that, that day for sure, but, but maybe ever to live, uh, the wisest person. He wrote in the Bible what we call the Proverbs, uh, these wise statements, these, really this wisdom that was written back to his, his children and their children and and just a wise man, he was wealthy, and he had women, and uh, the other kingdoms would be envious of what he had, what he had uh, acquired and accumulated, and what he had accomplished. He had the best food and wine. He didn't lack anything. He didn't lack anything. And he wrote something called Ecclesiastes in the, the Bible. Uh, it's a, it's, Ecclesiastes mean um, a, a person who is calling an assembly. And so Solomon is, is calling for people to hear what he is going to say. Uh, he wants to give wisdom to a group of, of people. He is writing at the end of his life. Uh, one of those, uh, the thoughts I had is he, he knows that he's coming to the end. And he's looking back at everything that has happened in his life. And it's almost as if he's thinking, I need to get one more, I want to get one more thing out to people. I need them to, to hear this uh, wisdom, that this thought that quite possibly he had been living life one way, and maybe there's a different way. Uh, he, he realized what matters, and on this journey, he, he finally got to that place. But listen to what Solomon writes, Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2, he says this, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. 
I, this isn't usually a great way to start a letter to, uh, to someone. It's not the most encouraging way. Uh, he's basically saying everything you're running after, it's meaningless. Other translations say it's all vanity. It's, it's just all in vain. It's just meaningless. Uh, chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, he says this, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And Solomon is saying, I saw something, I took it. I wanted it, I got it. This was how he lived his life. He lacked nothing. Yet at some point he just said, it's meaningless. It doesn't matter. I can accomplish and accumulate all kinds of things, but there is no meaning that will come from it. No real meaning. And he says this in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 11. Uh, he, he writes in the first part of chapter 3, he, he basically names all these things. And if you know the Bible, um, maybe you've heard this, but maybe it may be new to you, but he, he basically says there's a season for everything. There's a time for everything. That things happen in our, our lives. We, it's out of our control. There, there's just these seasons that we go through. And then in verse 11 of chapter 3, he says this, he has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Let me say that again. He has set eternity in the hearts of men. What, what I think Solomon is saying there is there is a time for everything to happen. However, in the midst of our daily experiences and accumulating things and accomplishing things, deep within us there is this longing for something more. There is something in us that says, that was good, but I just, I think there's something more. There's something different. There, there's there's got to be. And so if you're here today and you would say, look, I don't know if I believe in God. I, I, I'm, I'm definitely not a Christian. There is something in you that says, man, there is something more than what I've been experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe the creator of all things has put that in you. And so th that's why when difficult things happen, when bad things happen, it's because there's something in us that says, man, there is more to life. There is this longing for eternity. There is this longing for everything to be healed and whole and be made right. There's something in us, a desire for hope. And so we go looking for it. We run after it. And we think we get it, and then it comes void. And Solomon is saying, look, there are things that you can find meaning in. It is understanding what has been put in you. Now, as we think about that, and then the, the scripture I'm going to read in a moment is kind of the foundation for, for where we're headed. But, but let's just look at this just for a second. We see what, what Solomon had acquired and accumulated. We, we see the things he says, like, I desired it and I got it, and then it was meaningless. Well, what does that look like for us today? I think there's a few things that happen as we, we seek meaning. Uh, one of those are trends. So much of our life comes from what are the, what are the cultural trends? What, what, is, what is everyone else saying that should be meaningful to me now? And we, we run after what the culture says, this is what you need. 
the question is, when we go this way, is how can I live according to what is currently popular? Uh, just having my kids at my house and watching videos, uh, I started thinking about what I thought was popular then. Like I graduated high school in 1999 and uh, walked out onto the gym floor and my jeans, you could barely see my shoes. Uh, my jeans were super baggy. Everything was baggy. Uh, the way I wore my, at that point I was like, I'm, I'm cool, right? And I look at that and my kids laugh at me, right? And I'm like, don't, I was cool, all right? Then I was, I was cool, right? But, but trends change, what people say is important changes. What people say matters change. And so th- there's things, whether it's politically or spiritually or financially, we, we, right, we could cover the gamut. There's things that people are going to say, this is what is most meaningful now. But, but things change. People, as we look at the 2020, as we head into this, this year, as we head into the next 10 years, there are going to be some things that happen in the next 10 years that people are going to say, that is what matters in life. And then things will change, just like it does when we look back. That, so it's trends, and along with that, we, we find our meaning and purpose in what others say. Not, not just cultural trends or what's popular, but what are the voices in your life that are saying either you're meaningless or if you don't do this, you won't have meaning? But what are you doing just to simply please others? What decisions are you making to win the approval of others? We, we think that's what will give meaning and purpose to our lives, and we, we follow what they think, and then we, again, we accomplish it, and we feel like we've missed something. Or the third thing is maybe we could find meaning in what is true. What is true? Uh, this is what we're going to look at over the next few weeks. Well, what is true about your meaning? Uh, it's not going to be really easy steps. There's not going to be like two or three things. If you'll just do this, you're going to find meaning in your, your life. Uh, it's going to take a little bit of work. Um, it's going to take some processing. It's going to take some openness to maybe what God might be saying to you through this. Um, so I'm not giving you a quick fix. Um, but, but I do think that there's some things that could happen in your life. This is what we're going to look at. Uh, we're going to look at spiritual gifts. What has God put in you? Uh, his fingerprint on you, what, what are the giftings that God has given you, the spiritual gifts? Uh, we're going to look at your heart. Uh, what are you passionate about? I'll talk more about this later, but I think oftentimes as we think about meaning and purpose and what is the will for our lives, uh, I, I think we sometimes um, make it more difficult than it has to be. I, I honestly think sometimes God has put things in our lives, in our hearts, passions, the things we're going to look at. We're going to look at our abilities, our personality, our experiences. What, what would happen if we just take those and then we, we let them intersect with what God is doing? Right? We see how God has created us and what he has put in us, and we just say, all right, God, how do you want me to use these things? And they intersect with what God may already be doing around us. But before we get there, and look at those five things, I want to encourage you to stop doing a couple of things and start doing something else um, to find out what you've been created to do. Uh, usually New Year's resolutions are sometimes about stopping something, starting something. I'm going to encourage you to stop doing a couple of things. Um, if you are going to find meaning and purpose to your life, you have to stop competing with others. You have to stop competing with others. Um, part of the competing comes when we compare so you got to stop competing. you got to stop comparing. 
You've got to stop conforming to what other people want from you or for you to do. And then we have to stop compromising. We have to stop compromising what God has asked us to do. I think if you're going to live a meaningful life before we can really do anything, you've got to stop doing some things. Instead of trying to compete and be better than someone else, just be the best you. Instead of comparing yourself to others, just compare yourself to who you're supposed to be. Who, who, who are you? Compare yourself to just that. Instead of conforming to what others say, conform to the ways of God. Instead of compromising for something less than what God wants for you, seek Him. See, I think that this year you're going to begin celebrating who God has created you to be. No one else. Nothing less, nothing more. Now, let me just, let me just say this. Um, this isn't just like self-help talk. It's not psychobabble. I, I really believe that, that this is a part of figuring out who God has created you to be. Listen to Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. It's written by a guy named Paul to a group of Christians. He says this. We're going to look at verse uh, 1 through 9, and then I'll come back to 10. It says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdoms of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the kingdom, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So I think for us to have purpose and meaning, we're going we're gonna to stop doing those things. So we're going to stop comparing and competing and conforming and compromising. And as we look at this, we also have to figure out guilt and shame. If you're going to have purpose and meaning to your life, we have to begin to see that guilt and shame often hinders us from finding our meaning and purpose. Often, guilt and shame estranged, uh, makes us feel estranged from God. Right? As we talk about meaning, that God could give you meaning, you might say, how could God do that? Like, I don't know your story, but you might be thinking, man, I, I know my story. How, how could God use me? Or how, how should I even approach God and believe that he could use me? Right? Well, we see this throughout the, the scriptures, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament. We see Isaiah, as he is being called, he says, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. Who am I that I could go be the mouthpiece of God? Why would God use me? In the New Testament, we see it as well. The questioning of disciples when they make mistakes. How could God use me? But see, there, there's something that, that happens as Paul is talking about. It's because of his love. He gives us life and he restores us. He comes to us. See, we're, just, we're really just finishing Christmas. I don't know if you know this, but Christmas isn't over yet. Yeah. All right? So you don't have to move on from Christmas yet. We have, I think, another day. Um, and, and so he, here's what's interesting to me. Um, Christmas is the, 
the, the pinnacle moment of God coming to us. Right? He, he comes to us. So, so it's not that he is avoiding us. It's not that he's created us and we messed up and he has removed himself and just said, good luck. God, God comes to us. In the very beginning, one of my, my favorite um, images of this is with Adam and Eve. They mess up and they go hide. And then we see God come looking for them. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And they're hiding from God in their guilt and their shame. And the good father, the loving father, comes looking for his children who are experiencing what happens when we rebel against God. And so some of you are going to have a hard time even getting to what we're going to talk about later because you've had a hard time moving on from what you've experienced in your past. The decisions that you have made or even the decisions others have made that have impacted you. This is a gift. Grace. It's not something you could work for or be good enough or earn. It is a gift. And so then if we can wrap our minds around that, then we get to verse 10. Verse 10, Paul says this, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul says we, all of us, even if you don't believe it or understand it, he is saying all of us are God's workmanship or handiwork. We are made by the creator of all things. And we've been created to do good works as he has prepared for us to do. So as you hear that, the the question I would ask you is, how do you see yourself? Like, I can tell you that you're the workmanship of God, that you are the handiwork of God, but how do you see yourself? Do you have value and worth? Do you see that your life matters, that you have been gifted and there is something that has been prepared for you to do? I mean, what determines your value? In, in Oklahoma, while we were there, I went to my uh, aunt's house, and uh, she has been a collector of antiques uh, for a long time. Uh, they owned several Wendy's in Oklahoma and had done very well. And so while her husband worked, she would go travel around the country and find antiques to, to buy. Uh, she's getting kind of at the end of, of her life, and she knows that my wife loves antiques and interesting pieces. And so she said, when you're home, just come into my, my storage facility and take whatever you want. You, you can have it. And so we, we, we did <laughs> and uh, had some, you know, American picker moments as I'm going through, through boxes. And we opened a box and just, and just found this. You may not be able to see it real well, but it just says visible mail. It's a mailbox, okay. right? Interesting, right? And so uh, I'm not as good as the guys on American Pickers. Uh, I just saw it and thought, man, this is really a cool, a cool piece. And so I grabbed it, I showed Heather, and we thought, okay, we'll, t- we'll take that. And, and so last night when we got home from Oklahoma, my wife was ready to go to bed, and I was ready to go through boxes and begin to hear the stories of things and what they are. And so this is one of the first ones I, I looked at. And uh, from what I can find, over 100 years old, and uh, this little glass thing worth several hundred dollars, Okay. Now, now, here's what's crazy. Anyone want to buy it for a couple hundred dollars? <laughs> Nobody, right? As I hear the prices of things, my thought is always, who determines the worth of something? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who says this is worth $300? It's only worth it if someone is willing to pay for it, right? And so I, it, just, it just hit me. I can tell you what you're worth. Yeah. 
I can tell you that the handprint of God is on you, that he has created you. I can tell you that. But until you begin to say, okay, I, be- I believe it, until you buy it for yourself, it really doesn't matter. It's, it's, just, it's just something I'm going to say is worth something. You have to begin to believe that the handprint of God is on you. And not only is it on you, but he has created you for something. Not just to exist. That the grace of God is not given to you simply just to gut it out and hold on until you die. That the, the Christian life, the following Jesus life, is not simply to, to punch your ticket to heaven and then hold on. Paul says that the grace is what frees you. It is what saves you. You cannot earn it. But then Paul says, that's not it. Paul says, now you you have been prepared. There is something for you to do. There is a service for you, specifically to do good works. See, this is my desire for all of us whether you're in the room, if you're watching this later on on YouTube, my my desire for all of us is that, one, that we believe that his love covers our sin and shame, that his grace covers us, the sacrifice of Jesus covers us, that, that gives us freedom, and that he has created us for a purpose, that we don't have to live clueless, that, that we don't have to go around thinking, well, I don't know what the meaning of my life is. Do I have meaning? Is there purpose to my existence? That maybe the way he has formed us is how we will find our meaning. In architecture, there's a statement that says, form follows function. Um, If you were ever to build a building or an object, the architecture will say, what are you going to do with it? And then you design something, you, you, you plan it according to what it's going to do. Uh, Rick Warren says, maybe that's flipped. Rick Warren, a pastor and a a well-known author, says, uh, maybe, maybe it's the other way around for us. Maybe the creator has formed you in a certain way. That you've been created a certain way. That we don't have to push our personalities or our passions or what we've been gifted at aside. That maybe that's what God has put in you that he has formed you a certain way. And then what we do is we say, okay, what's the function of that? How, how do I use what God has put in me? Now's the time. Now's the time. I, I as a pastor, and doing a lot of funerals. Um, my, my hope is at the end of my life, when someone does a funeral for me and as people hopefully gather to, to celebrate my life, that people will say he knew what he was created to do. That he, that he knew what he was created to do, and he did it. That he had meaning in his life because he lived into what God had done. See, this isn't about resolutions. Those are great. Get healthy, save money, quit smoking, whatever it might be for you. Those are fine. But, but maybe there's more. Maybe that you too could get at the end of your life and say, man, I, I'm thankful that I learned what I was created to do, and I did it. It's not too late. It's not too early. Um, th- this is the time. To say, okay, God, what, what do you want to do with me? Who have you created me to be? Well, Jeff's going to come up and we'll sing our, our last song together. And as we sing this uh, every, every week, the, the thought is, uh, this is our prayer. 
that may it be that, that what I've talked about, what God has begun saying in our, our hearts and our minds and our lives, God, God, would this be true? Would we experience the kingdom of God in our lives? So it's not too late. As we wrestle with this, and I hope you'll come back every week. If you miss a week, I hope that you'll listen to it. It's going to build on itself. Um, maybe the best thing you can do this year is be you. Be who God has created you to be. Would you stand with me as I pray? God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for an opportunity to begin to say, uh, God, what have you created us to do? Uh, I'm thankful, Lord, that you're patient. I'm thankful as we run after things and try and find our meaning and purpose in things, you are still pursuing us. You are still helping us. Lord, I pray that my friends in this place today would know and not just know, but believe, would buy it that, that they are your handiwork, that you have created them for purpose and meaning, that the way their personalities and their passions, their giftings are on purpose. God, would you help us to see that you have created us for good works and that would you help us to make a difference as we begin to find out what it looks like to have meaning to our life. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.